Business is simple. It's just not easy. We focus on three things to help you run and grow your business more easily. Talent, sales, and how to scale. Can it be that simple? Talent. Develop a robust recruiting, vetting, and training process to help capable people and then help them to become who and what they want to be. Sales. Have a logical go-to-market strategy. Build the sales and marketing structure and plan around it and then attack and execute the plan with fanatical consistency. Scale. Know where you're going, why you're going. Share with others why they would want to join you. Be clear on who's allowed to join you and what they'll need to do to stay on board. Anticipate roadblocks. Avoid them before you get stuck. And then when you do hit one, and you will, stay calm, problem solve, and find resources to get unstuck. Sounds simple, right? Simple to understand, but not easy to do. Join us as we focus on tips and tricks and hacks for running a profitable, hyper-growth business. We'll share real-world horror stories and celebrate the victory sagas that will inspire you. This is the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. Hello, everyone. So welcome to the Talent, Sales, and Scale podcast. Today, we have Melanie Robb. So Melanie and I go way back. She is unbelievable. So you're in for a real treat. Melanie is one of these rare folks that truly knows how to hit the market and, and is going to come at this from a recruiting standpoint, from a sales standpoint, from a uh, now business owner standpoint. So uh, now I know that you started when you were about three. So how long have you been doing this? I have been doing since 99, I've been doing recruiting. Scary. So a couple of days. Jeez. Okay. So <laughs> and now you've recently started the Melanie Rob consulting company. Is that right? Yes, I have. Great timing, I know, with, with everything that's going on. But um, it's something that I've wanted to do for years, and I needed to make the jump, and now is the time. Uh, awesome. So really excited to have you here. So um, Melanie Knight might not have a book or anything like that, but now she has a podcast that she's on, and she's been unbelievable. I mean, if you look at her track record, and this is how I know her, this is not any theory. This is not white ivory tower. This is her on the street real world experience that you're going to get to hear today. So this should be really fun. So with that said, why should we listen to you? I mean, what give us, how did you come up with this expertise around hiring? And really what we're going to be talking about is hiring a, a, a more diverse team, right? Bringing diversity to your community. So how, how did you come up with this expertise? Why should we listen to you? So that's a great point. And, and Brian, I think that you said it. I have really spent my time in the market. It's yes, I do read the books and all of, you know, the TED talks and things like that, but I work with business owners and I sit down with them in their environments. I interview their individuals and I'm really seeing firsthand what successes are and what some things that are holding people back are, and then making those moves to overcome those obstacles. So everything that I'm talking about, and I can probably give a real world example right then and there of someone that I saw either overcome that or a success that they've had. So it's really the way I do everything is very guerrilla marketing and get in there and get your hands dirty with people, hold their hands to build them back up. I have really believe in a diversity of thought to surround yourself with people that are different with you, to bring in okay. new ideas, to, to expand customer bases, to expand geographic reach. 
Um, and I'm sure we're going to be talking very in depth about that. But I think surrounding yourself with different people only helps you grow. Okay, so I can just hear the audience now. If you, whenever they tune into to YouTube, wait a second. There's a white woman and a white guy talking about diversity. <laughs> Right. So how, how can we um, talk about diversity of thought? I mean, give us a little bit more on that one. So diversity of thought can be several different things. Um, yes, it can be gender, religion, ethnicity, but it can also be bringing people in from other industries, other parts of the country to bring uh, different ideas to you. Now, I strongly believe in bringing in different genders, ethnicities, and things of that nature too. Um, so I think it's twofold, but think bigger picture as a diversity of thought. Okay. So uh, what what is it about this diversity of thought? How did you get into this? Because you grew up, if you will, over these last um, 21 years. Oh my gosh! So over these last 21 years of doing this, you were really focused in on the 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 talent level, the high C suites for real estate. So how did you make this pivot? Talk to me about what that what was involved there. Yeah, in this was seeing whenever I would meet with CEOs, they talk about bringing in new innovation and new ideas. And when I looked at their team very often it was people that looked just like them, that they went to school with, that they networked with in their backyard. And they all had basically the same ideas. And we really pushed, they were like, hey, and I said, would you look at somebody from a completely different industry? Would you look for somebody that could relocate in? And when they started opening that up and interviewing those people, it made a huge difference. One of my, my, my biggest success stories was I was working with a student housing apartment company in Austin, Texas, and okay. they were, they really needed to change the way they were doing things. They were looking to expand into more states, uh, change and innovate and really build the team because they were growing so fast. They didn't really didn't have systems in place. I brought in a COO from Target. What does Target have to do with student housing? Nothing, but the way that they did their SVPs at Target is they handled HR, IT, real estate, all of the hiring and firing of individuals and also marketing. So he had those basic skills that they needed in a process. He just needed to put it into another area. And he was actually a minority candidate too. So it was just bringing that different thing in. He was there for two years, totally changed the company, was extremely successful and actually has moved on to another company to do the same thing. So it's that diversity of thought. It totally changed the way that they thought. So, so you, you've seen this happen in the past, but I guess the question is really, how did you get into it or how did you realize that, wait a second, this is, this is pretty darn important? By seeing and, and working with CEOs that were struggling to figure out how to grow. Okay. And really that frustration that they had, that they had worked so hard. And some of it was a succession planning issue. You know, they wanted to move on and there wasn't anybody else to pass the, it on to. Um, some of it was wanting to grow the company. I will say when I meet with CEOs, they have one of three problems. They either don't have time to grow their teams and they really want to. They don't have time to grow their business and they want to, or they don't have time to be with their families and they somehow need to get that time to be able to do that. So what my job is, is to go in, figure out what areas they can do to get one of those times back. And it usually means hiring someone to do that. And in order to have that growth, it's the diversity of thought. 
All right. So let me let me push back because I can hear people going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Please. You're telling me that if I have a diverse culture, diverse thought process, diversity of thinking, that that's going to allow me to get unstuck, that this plateau, this ceiling I keep hitting, it's not COVID, it's not the market, it's not X. You're telling me that because I don't have a diverse team, that's what's preventing me from growing? I'm telling you it might be one of the things. Uh, look at your <laughs> look at your geographic base. Okay. Is your company mirroring and matching what is out there in your community with the people that you want to be selling to? Does your sales team match that? Are you missing an entire segment of the population? Because again, people like to buy from people like them. Are you missing those sales opportunities? So it might be one piece. I'm not saying this is the be all end all. It's going to solve all of your problems, hiring diverse people, but it's a piece of the puzzle. So let's go, let's hit that. So granted, right? And here's the thing, there is no silver bullet. And by mm -hmm. the way, nothing new under the sun. I mean, I really think what you're talking about is um, if you study Steve Jobs, right? Mm -hmm. You talk about Steve Jobs being the, probably the poster child, if you will, for diversity of thought. He had artists, he had engineers, he had all kinds of, of people. And so talk to me a little bit about how do you handle that likely tension whenever you start to bring in this diversity of thought? Because, you know, I love what you said earlier, the, the CEO, they said, oh, I love diversity. It's kind of like they have the vision up on the wall. Here's our vision mission and no one's following it, right? It's absolutely a farce. And a lot of times what I find is people have this idea, this love affair of diversity of thinking mm -hmm. up until it smacks into their confirmation bias or up until the fact that they have to change and get really uncomfortable. So how should people deal with that? And that is a great question. And that is definitely part of my consulting is helping to prepare people because the, the, the like term is diversity inclusion. Diversity is the bringing of the people in. The inclusion, the I, is actually making them feel welcome. Ah. So it is a two-step process. So we're talking when you're going on that is the inclusion end of things. And you're right, that can get rocky and you need to prepare your staff for it. You need to I mean, there is, I've given two hour long webinars just on the inclusion end of things, but you're right, you need to do that. And I love what you said, you actually mentioned unconscious bias, understanding that that's there and being able to tackle that. Harvard actually has, if you just Google Harvard unconscious bias study, they have 17 different free unconscious bias um, assessments that you can take. And I was actually, I, I was biased in areas and was so shocked at that, but understanding that that's there so you can almost check yourself when you're starting to go down that road, hey, this is an area that is a weakness for me. And that self-realization is, is one of the first steps. You know, I always say unconscious bias isn't, isn't it's, it's what brought you to this point in your life. You know, if, if I get a flat tire, I think of asking a guy, to do that. If I want new curtains, I think of my girlfriends. It's just unconscious bias. It's just what you, has come up in your life. And yeah. those are the things that have formed. And um, that awareness will help you to, to enter into that. And that's your whole team should be doing that um, for them to realize what there is. But you're right. It, it is. It's a, a whole a mishmash of things that you need to do to get those people welcome. Interesting. So now let's talk a little bit of inclusion because you separated that out. So how would you define inclusion? Because you said inclusion is different than what? 
than diversity. So okay. when you talk about diversity inclusion, and some people call it DNI, diversity is, are the steps that you brought to bring those people in. So okay. you're recruiting your everything. But now that they're going to be walking in the door, what are you going to be doing to include them? It's interesting. The CIA. Um, four years ago, made it a point to hire more women in leadership, okay? Right. And they put an entire diversity program together. Well, this year they added a new um, segment to that diversity program. It was doing more to have those women included um, yeah. and make sure that, because now they brought them all on, they needed to do more things. And some of that was like flexible work schedules and things of that nature. It ended up actually having them be able to hire more millennials because it became a more um, open work environment that many people were looking for. So it's an evolution as you go through this process. Okay, interesting. So diversity is the recruiting in and inclusion is making them feel welcome. Um, so then how is inclusion different than culture? Is that... Very similar. You're exactly right. In culture, the thing that I think is so important is to have really and truly your whole team be involved in that cultural aspect. And okay. it's not making huge changes. There was a, a client that I had that had a call center, and it was a very, very diverse call center, needless to say. And they were just Everybody went and had lunch at their table, you know, everybody stayed together and they never really got to know each other. And they started to do some integrations and just having people learn about different religions and such. And like nobody realized that um, that certain religions during Ramadan, you fast. Um, so they did away with Bagel Fridays during Ramadan. So the people weren't, you know, uh, tempted on that or that kosher food is, is important to cer certain individuals, that some religions are vegan, so, and they started to integrate that into simple things like free lunches and things of that nature, you know, making sure there were cheese pizzas. Little things like that, Those the, the individual said, I actually felt like people cared about me. Because, oh, yeah, it was something as simple and as little as that to have people working together. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm offering a free lunch, um, yet I don't offer you anything that you want, then it's really not, yeah, I, I don't care. Not even so, want, but can't eat yeah. for, for a, a true religious reason. <laughs> so Interesting. It's, it's, it's just little things like that and understanding the nuances of your, of your individuals. Okay. So now, I mean, what are some of the biggest challenges that, that people are going to face? Because one, I, I mean, we're told to hire for culture, right? I'm constantly preaching hire for cultural fit, but you're saying that inclusion is culture, but if we're trying to diversify thought, that might not fit with the culture. So how does this mishmash come together and align? It's hard. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's easy and it can take years to do it. Um, the most successful companies that I've seen though, it comes from the top, the CEO, okay or the leadership really embraces this and wants this to happen. And they engage everybody to know that this is super, that this is something that is extremely important to them. But it has to be a group situation. Um, there is an organization, you know, a mission statement even on that. And I, I, I cannot remember the exact words of it, but the mission, it, it's Novo Nordisk, the, the very large scientific company. But okay. it was something like, I hear you, I see you, you matter. And I mean, that was their entire mission statement to let people know that the diversity is a good thing. And when you're saying bringing those people in, if you're hiring people that are just like you, how are you ever going to innovate? 
if they went to the same schools, have the same background, live in the same neighborhood, how is new innovation going to happen? Yeah. It's well, so do you have any tips, tricks, hacks of, okay, you're now making me feel uncomfortable, right? I don't like your point of view. You might be right. I don't think you are. I don't like it at all because now I'm uncomfortable. You're, you're coming up against every, everything that I've, I've been, I, I think is real, right? So we're, we're into this confirmation bias again, um, mm -hmm. or if you want to call it scotomas, right? My, my point of view, how do, any tips or tricks of how to handle that? I don't, you're making me feel uncomfortable because you have a different mindset and you're saying to do something completely differently. Any tips or tricks on how to overcome that? I mean, that's a personal, a very, very personal milestone that you need to overcome. And first of all, it's accepting that diversity of thought is okay. Yeah. And there are some people that will put their heels in the ground and say, I am not changing. There is nothing going to happen. And I sat across at a conference room one time from a gentleman that did that exact thing. He's like, Melanie, you earn it here. Everyone has an opportunity, but you're going to earn it on your own. No one should have any favoritism. We post online and whether you're hired or not is, is up to somebody. And he, I worked with him a lot to understand those changes. And one of the things was understanding those biases of where he was biased. And he didn't think that he was, but yeah. having that realization, but you have to be willing to accept changes. If you're not, this is never going to work. And if your team's on it, it's never going to work. So then really what you're saying is, one, they need to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. um, two is whenever you say accepting, because that's really one of the biggest challenges that I've seen is that acceptingness, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing that I've, that I've um, been working on, and I'd be curious as to your feedback on this, you can yell at me if I'm wrong here, but it's really going, huh, that's interesting. So I say that aloud because whenever somebody says to me, because we have a pretty diverse group, we have people different political press spectrums. Um, we finally have our first female. I've been desperately looking for additional females for the team. Um, but so we have different political spectrums, different age ranges, different um, genders, different, uh, I mean, different nationalities. So we, we have a pretty diverse group in our small, small mix. And, and I've really had to have had to learn that, huh, that's coming up against everything that I believe in. So help me understand, or that's interesting is what I typically say. And I say that out loud. So I catch myself because I instantly want to shut them down. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to say, no, that's not right. Right. That used to be what I said. So no, right. I instantly go to the no, but if you, and I think I learned this from, um, from doing improv, right. The both and the you know, yes. And so I go, huh, that's interesting. That's not the perspective of I, that I had. Can you help me see it through your eyes? Mm -hmm. And just by saying that out loud, it forces me to be curious. So now instead of being defensive, which, oh my gosh, can I be defensive? Now I'm going, huh, that's curious or that's interesting. Help me see it from your vantage point. Because if I can understand it, I might not necessarily agree with them. But by understanding them, it seems to make it a lot easier. And there's probably pieces and parts in there that I can go, I can see that. And then we can work collaboratively for a solution that's going to work for everyone. So that's the way I'm doing it. I mean, is that right, wrong? Should I give up on that? I, whatever is your trigger, I think the key <laughs> you had there. Now, I think the key point is, is it was your stop and realization. 
that was your like re-trigger on something. And it may be different for somebody else, but having that trigger to, to stop and understand, and also that that person understands, they may be thinking you're agreeing with them completely, but it's that willingness to actually hear what their side is. And in the end, I'm not saying you're going to change your mind, but at least you know where they're coming from on things. And I think that that's especially important for when you're dealing with people from um, different areas with different backgrounds, because their their unconscious bias was formed completely different than yours probably. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, right? So um, Frank, he's one of my guys on my team. He'll 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 listen to this and yell at me. But oh my gosh, <laughs> we go round and round and round. We're like, no, we're like, ah, screaming at one another, right? And then we're like, wait a second, we agree, and we're yelling at one another, and we're agreeing. So um, yeah, he and I had to really both work on that because the curious thing is, if we didn't stop to understand one another, mm -hmm. then even though we're agreeing, but because we're coming at it from different perspectives. So for example, if I take my, my fancy water bottle that you can't see, you know, which way is that handle? Is it on the left or right? Well, it depends your perspective, but we're both can be right. Um, so then you just have to have the understanding from which way are you facing? So, I mean, th that's what we had to come into. So if I first seek to understand, rather than just pass judgment, it makes life a little bit easier. So very cool. Now, um, so I, I mean, what other resources or, or books might you recommend where we could, um, where we might do a little better in this? So one of the things that I absolutely love and I'm using a ton right now, um, when I first started out with my business, somebody told me to go to the library. And I was like, the library, why would I go there? And I actually sat down with the head librarian in, in Carnegie Library in Oakland, and they taught me the resources that are there. And one of the things that they have, it's called lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A. And hmm. LinkedIn recently bought Lynda. And it is their- Is that the learning platform? What's that? Is that the learning platform? Yes, exactly. Okay. So the reason I bring up the library is Linda is like $47.95 a month to get the unlimited in the high-end package. If you have a library card with the Carnegie Library, it's free. Oh, no you way. You log in through the Carnegie Library website and you go in there. And there is so much learning in there. And um, there, Stephanie Johnson does a great job in tutorials on um, diversity. Uh, Lisa Gates, same as Bill Gates, but Lisa Gates. Okay. does the best training on exactly what you're talking about, Brian, questioning and, and learning where people's perspectives are from there. So I have been spending so much time on Linda taking those little webinars and they'll have like printouts at the end and areas to take notes. But when you're talking about self-betterment, I could also learn to fly fish on there, uh, you know, and do photography, but there's so much training that's really specialized in whatever you're looking for. But Stephanie Johnson and uh, Lisa Gates are two that I'm following very closely right now. Okay, perfect. And then not to be a pitch for LinkedIn, um, their customer service is horrendous. So if you're listening to this LinkedIn, do something about your customer service. Um, but yeah, so if you have a premium a subscription, that LinkedIn learning is what it's called now is there, but really, really good resource for you. So love it. Now, um, I, I want to go back. I remember a question I wanted to ask. So what should we be looking for? What characteristics should we be looking for in our internal team to make sure that they can feel comfortable with this switch to the diversity of thought? But then the second question is not only the existing internal team to make sure that we build them up and, uh, and do that, but then also whenever we're hiring people on, what type of characteristics that should we look for um, to hire really 
outstanding, thought-provoking, diversity of thought type people. So let me tackle the, the team first and then adding to the team second. So the team first is, and I have this conversation with executives all the time, I'm like, how would you explain your culture? Is it a good culture? And I would say at least 50% of the time, they're not happy with the culture themselves. So it's first getting your team prepared. And there's a whole litany of questions, but it's just basically, hey, how do you think we can better the company? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And getting that feedback. I had a CEO that did that in Austin, Texas, and the morale was low. He was really worried about it. And he was super nervous that everybody's going to be like, I want raises and, you know, all this time off. And the three things that his individuals wanted were flex time because traffic was really bad where they were, um, the ability to go to the gym during their lunch period and a food truck because their office was way far out. If they could get a food truck every day. Yeah. And he said he did that and it boosts because they were going to be growing a lot and it boosted morale so much doing those three things and it cost him nothing it was just yeah. giving some flexibility to his people so it's finding out is your culture strong and what are things that you can do to make your employees happier that buy-in as you make the changes they're going to believe that you're going to listen to them because you've you've just done it so as these changes occur they're going to be much more likely to do it. And again, I can talk for hours about really specifics on that, but it's again, grounding your culture and making sure it's strong for these individuals to come in. And then as you're in, what's that? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to comment on that. So one, um, it's interesting that you bring that up. So if, if we're unhappy with culture, um, I'm not sure if you've done this or not, but uh, we found a really good exercise that we learned is if you look at, if you ask that CEO or that leadership team to take a look at, you know, who are the people that if you had a hundred of these people within your organization, you could take over the world and really pull out the, the, the traits and characteristics of those people, that starts to give you the idea of what that ideal culture is. And then you can start to hire and, and capture for that. Um, now, how important is like a growth mindset or how important is um, self-awareness that you're looking for? Are you saying, seeing that any of that's at play here? And it depends on the culture of what you're doing. Um, and I am a firm believer that a resume is like 15% of the person. The other 85 is probably 15% truth, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you hope. But, um, but really, it's what makes that person tick. And are you going to be a fit for the culture? And there are some cultures that you need a lever puller in it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very basic thing and you're going in and you're doing it and you need somebody that's going to be a listener. Um, there are other cultures that you need that driver that's going to be going. So you need to look at each individual place. The one thing I would say, and when you look and tell people or ask people to say, if you had a hundred of these people, you know, that what would you be your ideal situation? That's getting rid of, unfortunately, that diversity. Uh, and okay. it's, it's getting a lot of that same person, which in some companies, again, if that's what you need, is this a lever puller to do the same thing? That's not a bad thing. But where is that diversity of thought, especially from a sales standpoint? You know, um, is, is are they all going to be white men sell, selling to white men? Do you need some diversity candidates to be able to sell to more diverse people? Um, women definitely like to buy off of women. So it's great that you're adding to your team in that. But be careful of that because then you're going to have 100 of the exact same people. You're right. Interesting. Now, and then how about from a hiring side? What, what, what do we need to look for there? 
and there's a lot of companies that have very strict interview processes and their questions and they don't get very personal. But I, you know, I really encourage people to have one of the meetings that you have for an interview over a lunch or a dinner, because that's when you really get to see someone. You know, they can go through the basic steps of, hey, yes, I've ticked these tick list, but really get to know the person. I find that the executives that engage with people the most at all levels um, find out exactly what that person is going to be doing. If you can't sit and have a meal for an hour with someone, do you really think you want them on your team? And, <laughs> and to, 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 to push for that. Um, there are so many, I have a CEO that once a week he takes someone out to, to lunch. At, at any level. And it's usually somebody based upon an interview. It's a very large company. And he said, that is the best way, kind of reminds me of that undercover boss, to find out what's making people tick and what they're happy about and what they're unhappy about. But it's keeping grounded in that. So it's really spending time getting to know a person as a person, not just as a sheet of paper that their resume is and seeing what their sales numbers might be or something like that, but getting to know what makes them tick, what is going to be their motivation. Nice. So if you're, if you can't break bread with them, don't hire them. No, no. Love it. <laughs> I know that seems so basic, but it is so true. A hundred percent. So now, um, what do you see coming down the pike? What's the future hold for us? What do we need to watch out for? So I think, you know, good people are always going to be in demand. That really, really doesn't matter. What we're going to find is, and what I've been finding is some companies are, are unfortunately taking this opportunity to lay off the lower end of individuals, you know what I mean? Maybe the people that were underperforming. So um, there are a lot of people on the market. Just be cautious of what, uh, you know, when you're interviewing, find out some solid numbers, do really good reference checks on them. I'm not saying that that is the case all the time. It's just something I'm talking to my clients to be aware of. But as people are looking, know that they're going to be asking about your financials. This has always been where we were in the cycle before. Um, everybody's waiting for something to happen. No one thought it would be this, but that was a common question. That's going to be even more common is how are you situated? Um, you know, what, what are your contingency plans? That is going to be part of the interview process. So um, hiring managers need to be prepared to ask those, answer those questions. Interesting. So there, so, um, one, be very cautious on vetting. So make sure you're vetting, vetting, vetting. Um, and then two, be prepared to show stability that you are here for the long run, that you're not going to go out of business and that they're not going to get axed again because of, of um, the non-V recovery that it's looking like. So got it. Well, I can't thank you enough here, uh, Melanie. So, you know, who should reach out to you? How should they do it? And why should they want to talk to you? Right. So in my world, um, I deal with two types of, of clients. One are my corporate clients that I do this consulting with and figure out the positions and then do the recruiting. Um, and that includes any executive level, board seats, you name it, across the board. Um, and then they're also one-on-one. -on -one. That's the reason I started this company is I didn't have that opportunity before, but to be more of a career coach one-on-one -on -one for people that, um, you know, my life motto is never settle. If you're not happy with the position that you're in, where you're at, do something about it. Um, and I want to be able to help people, you know, whether it be refining your resume and your brand um, to making a complete change in your career, but having that one-on-one -on -one and talking to them about that from my experience. So uh, corporate people and people looking to grow. Got it. And how should they reach out to you? So uh, my contact information is really easy. My website 
is melanierob.com. My email is melanie at melanierob.com. Um, and those, those will have my phone number with them too uh, once you get that. So reach out. Got it. And are you LinkedIn? Yes, of course I'm on LinkedIn, Melanie Rob. <laughs> okay. Me and Rob with, two, <laughs> Rob with two Bs, right? Yeah, Rob with two Bs. All right, perfect. Well, um, I really appreciate your time here. It's been a lot of fun. So reach out to Melanie Rob if you're looking at creating not only just diverse culture, but diversity of thought is really what we're doing. From that, you're going to really increase your growth ability because you're looking at different perspectives. My guess is you'll probably get some better problem solving out of it. Inclusion does not equal diversity. Inclusion is the acceptance and, and inclusion of them within your culture. And then read the Harvest Unbiased Assessment. We'll see if we can't find that. And then um, use some LinkedIn learning, man. Get, get on that and uh, get out of the office and break some bread. So hopefully we can do that and support our local restaurants. So thanks so much, Melanie. Really enjoyed it. Have a great one. Thank you.